welcome back to a tale of two rivals. A fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat, go-with-your-gut champion, and a number-obsessed, Twitter-counting, spreadsheet-loving nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener, who am I joined by? Joined by FF underscore Spaceman Day Wright and Todd. Uh, your, your slander of my my obsession, my my uh, follower count is untrue, sir. But anyway, hey, we are in episode two. It was quoted today. It was quoted today. Oh, oh gosh, I, now I know why you don't do journalism anymore. That kind of quote. Gosh, um. <laughs> that was a dirty, dirty move, David. <laughs> Oh, well, we got to keep the banter going because this is episode two this week in the brand new format for Tale of Two Rivals in season. We're bringing you three episodes per week. If if you're listening now and you haven't listened to the first episode this week, you're missing out. Go back. Stop. Listen to the Spaceman takeaways from week one. This week, we're talking about Todd's takeaways, FF underscore Bannerman's takeaways. Todd has a lot to talk about. Going with his gut, going with some solid analysis here. We did question of the day last week, Todd. We 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 chit chatted a little bit. I don't have any time. The listeners don't have any time to do that this week, Todd, because we need to get to your takeaways. We miss anything here, Todd? Are we ready to go? No, time for take one. Let's get gangster. First take. Uh, we're gonna be focused on rookie quarterbacks. Week one. It's exactly what you expect from week one for rookie quarterbacks. And if you're starting a rookie quarterback, especially in a one QB league right now, you really need to reevaluate the way you approach the position. That's just one-on-one stuff right there. But anyways, we're all itching about this class, so let's get into it. Trevor Lawrence had a really plus uh, matchup against the Texans. Finishes the QB 16. 28 passes. I completed 28 passes on 51 attempts. You have 51 attempts and you're the QB 16. He went for 332 yards, three TDs, and three picks. It was a solid impression of Blake Bortles. I'll give him that. But it was, it was a little concerning for me because it's Texans, and it's a bad defense. And for me, it's not even necessarily something where I'm as concerned about Lawrence's talent as I am just about, like, the Jaguars in general. You got to be patient with him. And this team in general, to a degree, especially with, like, you know, your Sonaltz and... Lawrence is so like I'm not like freaking out, but by no means did you have confidence at this point in Lawrence in your starting lineup. Yo, you want to jump in there, Davey? I do want to jump in with Trevor Lawrence talk a little bit, Todd, because I will say all everything you said concerns about the Jaguars, rumors coming about about Meyer being interested in USC coaching job, a lot, just a lot of BS actually, probably. But overall, I will say Trevor Lawrence being able to withstand the heat in a losing situation. And to go out there and attempt that many passes, you had to show a little bit of gunslinger mentality in week one as a rookie. So I'll give him props for that. But overall, though, from a, a stats perspective, Todd, when I really care about passing efficiency for my quarterbacks, he was absolutely atrocious with a negative 11.1 completion percentage over expected, which is a very indicative stat, which takes into account for your the strength of your opponent uh, and the likelihood of each pass based on where you are on the field. A lot goes into that metric, but it's very predictive, very sticky, not good. But like you said, it's a rookie quarterback, and to go out there, hang in there. And it just, I think it, what really shows me, Todd, is the difference between the Jaguars and some of the other organizations on here. Because 
uh, they did not set him up for success in week one. Not at all. Not at all. Moving down the draft list, my friend, we're going to go with the number two pick, Zach Wilson, who finishes a QB 18. His offensive line was straight up dominated by a improving young, but at best right now, decent Panthers defensive line. There's lots of potential in that defensive line, but it's, it, it should not be giving like getting six sacks, which tied for the most of the week with the Cardinals. Well, I should just say Chandler Jones. And also, the 45 rushing yards did not help Zach Wilson's cause at all. Then he was Becton, who's like, you're losing your blindside help. He looked good in a clean pocket. But the offensive line questions and the inefficiency attack could really cap his ceiling in year one. I mean, he actually salvaged pretty well when he had an opportunity. The problem is he did not have a lot of opportunity in that game, which is concerning. Like you said, Todd, talking about a clean pocket and Zach Wilson's ability, I'm interested to see when those advanced metrics are released, how that is. But my biggest takeaway for Zach Wilson was only the one turnover compared to, to Trevor Lawrence's three interceptions and the six sacks. We were, I was getting a little bit of the Jets were getting a lot of offseason praise, Todd, about how they invest in the offense, how they invest in more resources in the offensive line. But if this is the pressure that Zach Wilson is going to be under, uh, who's dealt with injuries in college, I'm worried if he can make it through the 17-game schedule here. Now, not overreacting week one. He did show some grit, some toughness that I think he was billed to have, but overall his efficiency wasn't there. This was what was expected, like you said, to lead off the, the, the show. So that's all, that's my Zach Wilson. And there's still succubus hangover. Let's not forget that. that that's going to take a while to get over, you know? You know, it's, you know, it's like a hangover in like your mid forties. It's going to take more than like a season. So now we're on to the go, go gadget quarterbacks, which I hate saying that because I wish they both were starting Trey Lance, three rushes for two yards. And he completed one pass for a five yard touchdown. I did like the touchdown play because it was a goal line pass on a run option, uh, a run pass option, uh, setup. And he hit uh, Sherfield, you know, uh, IU's poacher, wide open in the flat. It was a nice little play. My biggest worry with Lance and San Fran is the San Fran schedule. Because Jimmy G could easily dominate that schedule. You're kind of looking at like a Fitzpatrick Tua situation last year where they could be winning with Jimmy G and they need to make a turn to Lance while they're winning with another quarterback. I'm not saying that isn't possible, but that's like my biggest concern about that situation. In redraft, I'd be stashing him everywhere in Superflex leagues because it's going to be fun and lucrative with all that rushing side once he gets his chance. I do believe it happens this year. I do believe in like him being productive once he does get that start. But for now, we just all have to be waiting frustrated while we watched a, a, a game manager in place of him. Speaking of guys are mediocre, Andy Dalton sucks, and um, Justin Fields, the super sub. I can kind of get playing Jimmy G over Lance, but there's zero reason Andy Dalton should be starting over Justin Fields. So I would be surprised if you see Fields as soon as week two. But the other reason it might not surprise me is that Nagy's awful, and he's an idiot. So like to, <laughs> to, to, to me, it's just kind of like, like what does Dalton do better on a football field than Fields? The answer is absolutely freaking nothing but throw picks. Fields is a better has a better arm. He's more accurate. He's a better athlete. He's more dynamic. He op opens up your whole freaking like 
playbook more if you had one. Two for two for passing, five-yard rushing TD, and, uh, you know, Dalton had no TDs and a pick. Like, give me a break. This is a freaking joke. I like Fields a lot more this year. I think they're kind of neck and neck in potential for where they could be. You know, it's a coin toss to me with those guys long-term. I love them both. Just to the fact that Jimmy G's better than Dalton is why I like Fields better than Lance this year. I'm going to talk about Lance in depth more in a different episode, Todd, but you covered a lot there that I agree with. Uh, Really well said. But everything these games showed me that these players need to be starting ASAP. The red zone, Todd, is the most important area on the football field on defense and on offense. It is significantly harder once you get inside the 20s on offense. You hear it every broadcast that they talk about it. And in the first, the first series for, I believe, both teams, the, these, these offensive gurus bring in the quarterbacks that weren't good enough to start, weren't good enough to give your team the best option to win. But in the most important part of the field, they're bringing them in uh, at the goal line in the red zone. That doesn't make sense, Todd. It's zero. I think it throws off the entire offense. It doesn't. Zero stupid. It's stupid. And it's little dick energy. That's my favorite thing now to just label things as little dick and big dick. And that is, sorry, I think you do a lot more for your organization if you say, hey, we brought these young guys in. I believe in them. I want the entire organization to lift them up and let's go. They give us the highest possible out potential outcome. Enough with playing it safe. Just playing it safe and worrying about the your job as a head coach. Screw that. Go for the freaking gold and win it. And it's it's hypocrisy is maddening in both of these examples that they would, oh, not good enough to play, It'd be their starting quarterbacks, but we'll bring them into the most important part of the field for packages. Just zero sense. Zero sense. Zero sense. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. My prediction is you're looking at Nagy getting fired before this year's out. Absolutely. And then, like, Shanahan, man, he, he better stop, like, loving himself so much. Like, he just overthinks it. Like, ju- just just keep it simple, idiot. You know what I mean? He's getting some heat, Todd. He's getting some heat. He uh, should. He, like, I'm sorry. Like, just so many stupid things going on in that game. I mean, you played freaking Detroit, and there was a game. Todd, I'll be honest. I can't decide if it's a good thing for Justin Fields to to withstand nagging him to be fired and let go, but then he has to learn a whole new playbook in year two. It, it's it's almost like a lose lose situation, not really lose lose, but it's just suboptimal with how you're handling nope, Justin Fields nope, here. Nope, nope. It's a huge win because he actually will get a playbook. That, yeah. True, but you know what I'm trying to say, Todd. To have yes, it's never I, good to have nope, to learn. Remember nope. what happened to Mariota? What's what's? Yeah, but but that's fine. That's fine. My point is. This is not a good offense. It hasn't been before he got there. Cut the losses and go find somebody to highlight this elite talent you just drafted that fell in your lap at 11, dude. Like, just get rid of him. All right, we got to move on. We got to move on. <laughs> I, I really liked that first take, Todd. A uh, lot of uh, take uh, I, I got one more. I got one oh, more. Oh, oh I'm buddy. jumping the gun. Davey. Come on, buddy. Pats Nation. All right. So last rookie QB to go over is Mac Jones. Uh, finished the QB 21, went 29 for 39, uh, 281 yards and one TD. Nothing sparkling, but nothing bad either. Uh, solid game management performance. I think from a non-fantasy perspective, I was really happy as a Patriots fan. Uh, Showing good accuracy, 
in the short to mid route, but the game plan didn't really look for him to get throw it downfield and bomb it, uh, which is actually kind of fair in a rookie's like first QB and first like start. He looks like a rock solid QB two in Superflex with clear upside as he grows in the system. Pats will hope we give him more weapons, which they they probably won't. We know this history, uh, but he has deep ball accuracy, so I hope he starts letting it loose a little bit. Um, but always remember that dad bot does not offer any rushing upside, so his ceiling is capped as like a high QB two over the next few seasons. Todd, this is actually where we I probably disagree, and the entire show uh, that we've had so far this week, this is where I disagree with you most. I was really impressed by Mac Jones. I was also very critical of Mac Jones coming in. Anyway, this in week one, he was top 12 in, C- in completion percentage over expected, top 12 in EPA per play, which is expected points, uh, uh, expected points, uh, yeah, expected points added per play, and then and in pace, which is how good he is at converting his passing air yards into receiving yards. Uh, all great metrics for measuring QB success. And he was top 12 as a rookie in day one. Now, he didn't push the ball down the field, only a 6.3 A dot. Uh, and a 7.2 yards per attempt. But I think that was a lot to do with the game plan and what the Patriots set him up for. You could definitely, just going looking at what the Jags did, like I mentioned earlier, and what the Patriots did, the Patriots set up this offense for his, they wanted him to succeed. They weren't putting too much on his plate. And then he made good decisions, Todd. Didn't try to do too much. He did, like you said, he's got a good deep ball. He did a couple of, he pushed a field ball down the field a couple of times. And I thought the ball had good zip good accuracy when he did do it would like to see him expand on that like you said but overall i had been just really skeptical about his lack of experience in college he was a little bit older prospect and all the weapons around him lifting him up but from what i've seen in week one and in the preseason todd and his ability as a leader too i was impressed what he did as a leader too in that game uh i'm i'm going to say i don't see what is limiting him to be when as far as his ceiling as a passing quarterback. When you think of the traditional passing quarterbacks like the Matt Ryans, Tom Brady's, Drew Brees's, and uh, Peyton Manning's even, I'm not saying he's going to be those types of, like those elite elite players. I just don't see what's limiting him right now as far as that. Now, as a fantasy prospect, what you mentioned with the dad bod and his running up, rushing upside, I thought he played the best out of any of these quarterbacks, but he finished behind Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson in fantasy despite playing better on the field because of the rushing ability and only getting the one touchdown here. So like, I, I'm really impressed with Lance. I'm not going out and getting him anywhere uh, because I think everyone else agrees, but I, overall, I'm just going to say it right from the get go. I was too low on, on Mac Jones. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback. I think the Patriots have something here. All right. So here's the thing, man. I, I, I agree with you that he's going to be a very good quarterback. I think this is where the fandom's coming in a little bit. All right. I think you're talking about this more from a football perspective, not a fantasy football perspective. Because I was very impressed with him as in his performance on the field to being able to lead a team. He finished the QB 21 still this week, right? Yep. And, and he was incredibly efficient. It's because of the lack of rushing, the lack of the explosion. Like, I do see the, the touchdown numbers coming. I mean, Brady, like, threw 40 touchdowns last year, and he, like, was QB 11, dude. You know what I mean? So, like, that lack of rushing upside is the issue where I, I'm capping with him. A QB2, like, at this point in the game, like a high mid QB2, that's rock solid, dude. Rock solid. I'm saying the lack of rushing upside means temper yourself with Mac Jones as build as a building block around 
like your QB as a winning team. If he's your QB two, you're set up much better than trying to say down the line, this is my QB one. That's a dangerous game to be playing, particularly after only one week. Yeah, hundred percent, Todd. I'm, I'm not saying I, I'm literally just I'm just trying to say like from everything, especially from an, a stats perspective, Todd. And so it's not just as a fan or thing, but the stats that he's hitting at the, that I sure, mentioned is top sure. of them. Those I, are I, legit. I'm I'm saying that the serious lack of rushing upside is the thing where I just think we need to pump the brakes for a little. Hundred percent. And I and I think what I'll say is too is that what I'm what I'm thinking now is I think he's a Matt Ryan type of player at the moment where sure he has weekly or seasonal top twelve upside. Sure. But realistically, he's a high-end QB2 probably in his peak. Yeah. And the next couple of draft class we have coming up, there's some serious dual threats coming in too. So like that kind of piece too is like why I'm saying in a few years, like that's when you're playing your C2Cs. That's when you like kind of get to know the landscape a little bit better. You know what I mean? So like, like actually the guy who replaced him in Alabama is probably going to be better than him. I'll find out say that. Bryce Young is going to be probably be better. So I'll move on to take two. Take two is a little fantasy, a little bit of how to take your information, like reliable sources of information, we'll say. So Jamar Chase balled out. It's insane how much slander was thrown at this guy on Twitter and during and like during the offseason. We're in a culture that loves to find any way to tear someone down so quickly in the pursuit of being the person who was right you know or the truther that quote about the differences in the college ball versus the pro ball was an excellent thoughtful and interesting answer and some lazy unethical journalism put it on a graphic took it out of context to try to break to try to break him down it was awful go find your freaking sources and read the whole story if you read that and you took that as serious fantasy news I'm going to call you a mark in my league because you're an idiot. That's awful. All right? This isn't a fantasy rant. This is a life rant to a degree. Read all your information. I'm guilty of it at times, but I'm also not. So I'm not perfect, but I'm willing to accept that I know when I did something like that wrong. So my point being is that the, the amount of things that were just blown out of proportion with this guy was just insane to me. You're talking about a generational talent. And, like, it was just stupid, the things you were hearing. So, anyways, I wish I had bought him everywhere last week, but life just got me too busy to really get into that. So, Bengals' offense in general looked so yeah, good. Before you get into to the offense, yeah, I feel like I should respond to these guns because I think what you said is incredibly poignant, incredibly... I, I don't even have a lot to add to it because it was so on point. Advice for how do I how do you translate that to actual advice? I would say I have blocked NB Sports Edge and Pro Football Talk on Twitter. They are and even Fantasy Pros I have on Twitter because what the, those companies do when they're releasing their news, their headlines, those are content clicks driving links. They do not report. It is disingenuous of what the actual report is, what the player is saying, or what the beat reporter is saying. Uh, it is disingenuous. And when I do actually end up getting to them because it's overshared and I end up clicking on the link just because I want to see what people are saying, the first thing I do before I even read it is there's a little highlighted button at the bottom of NB Sports Edge of the news blurb where it says it sources where I got from. I click on that hyperlink and it brings me to the actual story and I read the whole story. I really recommend people do that because 
what happens is you will when you read those uh, repeatedly read the story and you hear the buzz around these 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 content driven quote tweets is it gives you bias and that will stay with you even though you know it's inaccurate so that's what i really recommend todd as some actual fancy advices do not follow those news clicky sources follow the beat writers and the real con the real people who are reporting the real news that's actually better in context it's real life advice when you're reading the news too but um all right moving on Whew, got me a little heated well my bachelor's degree in journalism got out of me all right Bengals offense in general looks so good against a very solid opponent in the Vikings I got a few burrow stacks uh one with each of the one right one right receiver actually with either a Chase, Boyd, or or Higgins. I'm excited about all of them. I'm particularly excited about the Higgins Burrow sack I got in uh, Scott Fishbowl. However, I would love to sell Burrow in all formats for a quarterback with rushing upside and an easy second half schedule. If it if that were to if those starts were to align, hold the phone. Call 911. Someone's been kidnapped. Todd talked about rushing upside. He's done it several times tonight. I remember a time on Tale of Two Rivals where it wasn't a thing. What is going on, Todd? I've changed. I've seen the light. <laughs> I've seen the light, David. I, 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 I've seen how many rushing quarterbacks are really just scoring more points. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm not saying, like, go out and rush to trade Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to be good, man. I'm just saying, like, like it's an idea to be able to look for guys that can score you points in different ways, you know? But at the end of the day, Jamar Chase is going to ball out. And if you didn't think about that because of some, like, a few drops in a bad offseason, a bad preseason, and a freaking quote about the difference in balls, dude, reevaluate your process. And Todd, I do have a little bit of a spiel here, and I'm sorry I'm jacking all your takeaways here this this episode because you. I love what you're talking about this week, so I'm really excited. I just want to say this, Todd: drops are for losers. Think about, and I want, and I mean that genuinely. It's for losers, but people who care about drops and who have these visceral reaction to drops. I know as a fan, they hurt, and even as a fancy manager, they hurt to see that lost opportunity there. But think conceptually. Let's break it down into a logical experiment or a, a, a logic experiment here. Uh, think about what all the positives that go into a drop. The coaching staff and organization have enough faith in that player to put them on the field. The wide receiver has the athleticism, skill, and, and the awareness to get open before they're even targeted. And then the play design, coverage, and QB has faith to deliver the ball to said player to get them the ball. And then there's a drop. Yes, it, it, it sucks to see... And if you get enough of them, it does end up happening. You saw Deontay Johnson last to get benched, and it happens. There's countless examples of it happening. But that being said, as overall, especially for a rookie wide receiver who is a top five pick, who is probably the best wide receiver prospect we have seen since Julio, it's just I. They're going. You know, they're going to give them a, lo- a long leash. So what does that mean when you're getting into all these good things are happening and only one bad thing is actually happening in the drop? And you think about it too. Uh, if you get a lot of drops, guess what? You're a lot of good things are happening going into it. And I know that's like feels like a cop out and a very uh, just a weird way to talk about it, but it, you really do have to think about it. drops. Means you're getting targeted. It's a lot better. Trust me. I've had uh, some players that I've fallen in love with. Andy Isabella. I would kill for Andy Isabella to have five drops in a game. Uh, 
So that being said, Todd, I just my rant on drops. Stop overreacting to drops. Keep it 100, baby. All right. So take three. All right. Sell these overachieving running backs, except Elijah Mitchell. I'll get into him last. So this is more of a redraft strategy that I'm going to talk about. But these are like excellent trade kickers in dynasty moves, too, with contending teams. I love talking about trades because, I, I, I mean, if I have to be honest, I think it's probably one of my biggest strengths as a, as a fantasy player is I, I think I'm pr- particularly good at like working out deals. Dave, would you say that's fair? 100% your skill is definitely not setting lineups or drafting players. <laughs> oh, no, no, you know, yeah, you were very good at trades. Sorry. <laughs> well played, man. Well played. Well played. Just looking for a little confirmation. Just couldn't do it. All right. Just remember that the last time we tried to get C.D. Lamb in a co-manager, we uh, Welcome to Tale uh, Two Rivals, baby. <laughs> so anyways, all right. So I'm calling these the trade kicker running backs, all right? So these are the perfect pieces to like move up within a tier to acquire a guy that you might like a little bit more, or maybe a lot more than the guy on your roster. Like, for example, like maybe packaging like a back in or a pick uh, with maybe like a Keenan Allen type to go get like T. Higgins. Like, that's doable. Especially if you're looking at a guy who's like, you know, you lacking right running back depth and they're trying to contend. That might be something they do. So these are kickers that can swing deals and they really do. So you can get creative and sell these overachievers. So it's kind of like, all right, so I got this trade that's pretty close to even. Let me give you this guy too. So these are the guys. These are the kickers. Mark Ingram. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's going to work with everybody, but somebody might bite. I mean... He had 26 rushes, he had 85 yards and a TD, and he's a known name. So if anyone has any remote confidence in this production, move him right now. Uh, the Jags' Deve is straight up awful, and that situation will be a running back carousel. He, he will not run away with this, with, with this opportunity. Not a chance. Ingrid doesn't have much trade value on his own, but by adding him as that last kicker in your deal, he might. And that value is maxed out right now. If Mark Ingram's on your team and you're looking to go acquire somebody, he's the perfect kicker piece. All right. Melvin Gordon. So you got 11 carries for 101 yards and a TD, added three catches for 17 yards. Um, and I'll be honest, I actually don't think I would sell Gordon. So this is more like kind of highlighting after week two. Okay. I think I would sell Gordon after week two. Because he should eat against the Jacks. And then when you go into those deals after week two, you can highlight that he's playing the Jets. It's all about playing your angles when you have a negotiation. I'm confident that Javante's taking that backfield in the second half at the latest. So I'll move Gordon on the back of two great performances against terrible defenses and see if somebody bites. All right. So remember, like you're don't try to trade him as the main piece in the deal. He's your kicker. You got to give something else up of value with him. Stop trying to trade him as if he's like a RB1. Like people see through that. Okay. So my next guy I was going to say was an overachieving back was Elijah Mitchell. So I think he looked good. I think he looked great. And this is based, this, my, my original take was based off his hype and the team build. You know, it was very popular peak. Plenty of people were, were thirsty enough to, like, start that parade march after week one. And, you know, this is a team that, like, loves to rotate, like, through backs. Well, 
Buy him, keep him, throw down Bitbox on Mitchell. Mostert is out for eight weeks, dude. In addition to that early production over Sermon, that changes everything. I actually me. think he's out for the season now. He's out for the season? I saw eight weeks. So that's it was eight weeks originally, Todd, but I saw I have not seen it, but I was DM'd multiple times saying it was out for the season. I mean, bye, bye, bye. Have that with confidence. So you're either I mean, trading for him right now on that piece, that would be difficult. If he's on your waiver wire, all in, baby. Do it. So I do think that Sermon will insert himself to a degree, but this is still very ambiguous. Mitchell looked good. He's versatile. He does have an opportunity to run away with the lead opportunity in this committee. You know, this will be a committee to a degree, but for what you need to invest in Mitchell off as a waiver pickup, he's totally the guy you should be going after. Do it with confidence. All right. So, my last side note is I was so excited for Kenny Genwell to do well and find pay dirt. I feel like his draft capital was awful and undeserved. I feel like he got knocked for doing something that was in the best interest of his family in a pandemic. And I think he's a very good dynasty stash for a relatively low cost. Definitely not looking like a three down back, but he's a solid asset in deeper or 16-team PPR leagues. Yeah, Todd, I, I have to say, uh, I really feel great about the several episodes that I've on different shows in this show that I mentioned that I thought Elijah Mitchell was a better prospect than Trey Sermon. I I have some vindication that, and I know it's, you know, who's going to victory lap that after week one when Trey Sermon wasn't even active? I just think that Elijah Mitchell was... You, you, you're already starting that victory lap, but then you yeah, just kind of yeah. like... It's pretty much like you stopped, like you know, you know, like what, like a step from the finish line. This is how it works, Todd. This is how you victory lap without <laughs> truly doing it, so you can skirt the line, and you know, it's it's got to play the game, Todd. Uh, don't hate the game. Don't you. hate the player. Don't hate the game. Uh, and so, <laughs> I, I just want to say though, Mitchell coming out uh, of school, he, he he didn't really dominate that backfield at Louisiana, which is a little troublesome. Didn't carry the workload. But he did demonstrate that he could do everything adequately. He he was efficient rushing the ball. He caught the ball enough in college where that when he does have an opportunity like he did it this week, he can perform. So it's something I, I say can 100% bet for week in, week out. I don't think so, but I definitely love that I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl. Absolutely, Davey. Love it, man. All right. That wraps up show two. So uh, I'll start off. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman on the Twitter sphere. I'm going to be doing some scouting over at the IDP guys. Lots of Devi C2C content, including looking at small school prospects. Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert. And I'm going to be uh, doing like just a QB stock report uh, for the 2022 class. David? You can find me over at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. And you can also, uh, I will not be writing a lot for DLF this season, but I might do one or two articles. Uh, that being said, Todd, check out my database uh, on my Patreon, uh, which is for free, but I have also some other premium content on there. Uh, but a lot of great free resources that I highly recommend people use. All kinds of advanced metrics and data all in one place, and it's exhaustive over Todd, I had over 720 players in week one in the database. Just insane that it's, and I had it updated today. I had Monday night football games 
live and active by 8 a.m. today. So that just with air yards, with first downs, with all kinds of advanced stats. Uh, really exciting that it's up and running. So check those out. I just went from six to midnight. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Tale of two rivals. See you next time.